At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. On a bleak and rainy night, a cathedral rooftop overlooks the city. Solemnly standing watch, the Black Knight surveys the dreary darkness for evil. He knows that it's out there, and that the redemption of his name depends on him finding it. Through the monotonous staccato of raindrops, a click can be heard, and Black Knight dives as a sudden whizzing of a high-caliber bullet flies by where his head was a moment previously. Turning to locate his attacker, he sees the helmeted-clad Peacemaker reloading. Peacemaker shouts out, You look like you're about to start something. Can't have that. Black Knight readies his sword and mutters to himself, Not here to start, but I will finish it. As he rushes forward, ready to strike. It's the Dove of Peace versus the Ebony Blade. It's Suicide Squad versus Avengers. It's Peacemaker versus Black Knight. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavzine. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. In today's episode, we have a battle that before 2021 didn't have near the notoriety these two characters have today, thanks namely to their individual live-action adaptations to the small and big screen. In one corner, you have The Peacemaker, DC Comics' newest TV sensation, portrayed brilliantly may I say, by John Cena, versus the Black Knight, played by Kit Harrington, who, in my opinion, infused Game of Thrones into the MCU. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed. And, uh, yeah, not once. Like, not even one time has this matchup ever been thought of, in my opinion, at least. And it's never been discussed on Google anywhere until at least now, where the Who Would Win team decided to make this an official battle. Yet again, 
Who Would Win brings you another premier geek culture battle for the world to enjoy. You are welcome. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I love this matchup, as I often do. This Peacemaker TV show. Now, we haven't even finished season one of it yet, but John Cena's brilliant. Everybody in the show is brilliant. James Gunn can basically do whatever he wants in Hollywood right now because he's absolutely brilliant. And I'm just, I'm absolutely loving where this crazy, ridiculous show is taking us. Really, really fun. And then Black Knight. Look, I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. I love me some Kit Harrington. I thought The Eternals was perfectly acceptable, a uh, superhero fair. I know that it's a lot of controversy around the opinion of, it was fine. I don't know why that's controversial. It was fine. Eternals is fine. But also it brought us Black Knight who doesn't do a lot of the movie, but he's introduced through it. And we've been wanting to use a character from the Eternals movie since that movie came out. But the problem was like, it just, a lot of these characters just didn't necessarily land with a larger audience. So, but we all love Jon Snow. So we got Black Knight. This seems to make a lot of sense if you really break it down. It absolutely does. By the way, you know, I, I haven't seen the Eternals yet. I'm kind of saving that. I'm going to watch it with the family. But I remember watching uh, Wonder Woman 84 and having massive hopes for it, hoping it was going to be fantastic. From what I'm hearing, the Eternals is better than Wonder Woman 84 by far. People just kind of seem to say, like, hey, if it's not a Spider-Man No Way Home, then it's not a great Marvel movie. I don't know what the deal is. I think the Eternals is going to be fantastic. Now, here's the thing, Ray. You know, there's something that's been on my mind for quite some time. And I actually have a suggestion that may move the Who Would Win show further into the next evolutionary stage of whatever it is we're going to become. Oh, man, I love okay. me some Darwin. Let's do this. It, it, totally. So speaking of Darwin Awards, hopefully we're not failing this one. The reality is we've been talking about this magical two-minute you know, sub rule where if your opponent can be incapacitated for two minutes via whatever, they're tied by a rope, they're, you know, dispelled to and banished to another dimension for two minutes, whatever it is, that two minute thing, we've talked about it, we've danced around it, we've mentioned it here and there. Should this be an official part of the Who Would Win, the who would win rules? What do you say, Ray? I'm, see, this is what's hilarious to me is you mentioned this earlier today. You said, did you know that the two minute thing's not actually in our rules? And it's just something we agreed to since like the first day of the first episode yep. of this show. And so I just assumed it was in the rules somewhere only to find out, oh my gosh, James, for the first time in his life is telling me something true. It is not, in fact, found in the rules. Yes, I absolutely. Why is it not in the rules? This has been an agreed upon stipulation since day one. All right. So I think we need to research you know, or at least get some other opinions on this. Uh, we'll open this up to the Legion of Audience. Should this two minute rule be there? And, you know, do you think judges are really going to take this seriously? This is all kind of some interesting stuff as we move the show forward. Look, when you have to discuss something this big and especially taking into consideration a judge has to take whatever we bring into this super seriously, you kind of want to bring in the judge of judges to kind of talk about this. So speaking of the judge of judges, let's introduce today's judge making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's host of the PlayStation Experience podcast. It's someone who should be the next king of England, in my opinion. And it's someone who the fans, the Legion of Audience voted as judge of the year for season three. Here's a hint. It's the host of the Delvin Cox experience. It's Delvin Cox. Delvin, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thank you, James. It's great to be back and race here too. 
James, I am a little bit disappointed because when you first told me we were having the greatest judge of all time today, I assumed it was Judge Judy. And when I look over, and Delvin Cox is a beautiful man, don't get me wrong, but you're no Judge Judy. I know the fans voted you best judge of season three, and you're out here giving Twitch TED Talks with Crystal the Storm about how to be a great judge on the Who Would Win show, but I can't help but notice I haven't won every single time you've been judged. How do you defend yourself as a great judge because i'm a fair judge that's why you haven't won every time i've been a judge simple as that those two statements are contradictory delvin cox maybe you should step your game up wow oh wow i'm liking where this is going felt heat like this in stefan thomas (laughs) (laughs) listen listen ray first of all judge judy was for her fans she was scheduled for today's episode uh and then i got a text from delvin saying you know what it's been a while Yep. And I, I need to come back you on know, for season four. And I said, no problem. You one major award on the Who Would Win show. And suddenly you just, what are you, Brent Pope? You're just going to call in whenever you feel like being the host of the judge of the show? What are we doing anymore? I'll tell you what. We're, we're not too uh, popular in the Judge Judy team <laughs> anymore. But, you know, she's okay. She's got a billion dollars. I'm sorry, dollars. Mrs. Scheindlin. I'm just very sorry. <laughs> Delvin, you know, I got to ask you a question. What do you think about this two-minute in- incapacitation rule that we were just talking about? Again, you're the judge of judges. You won, You were voted by the Legion of Audience to be the fan of the year for season three. What is your take on that rule? Should that be an official thing? I love it. I honestly do. And I always thought it was an official thing. It's crazy that we're having this conversation. It, it, I always love it because it reminds me of, you know, I'm a big wrestling fan, which is funny because John Zena's in this episode. You ever, if you ever watch wrestling, you ever see how, like, when they're trying to get back in the ring, it's like eight, nine, and they just rush back in at the end? I, I, that's how I feel about that two-minute rule. Like, okay, the guy's knocked down, whoever it is, and they're trying to get back in before the two minutes, and they just get right back in just before the two minutes hit. Kind of just add that little bit of intrigue to it. So, yeah, I love the two-minute rule. Keep it in there. All right, cool. I like that. You know, I can see, Ray, because you've got that wrestling background. You're like, hey, I'm incapacitated for a minute and 55 seconds back in. Now I'm out for a minute and 55 seconds. I can totally see you playing that angle, which is brilliant, by the way. Yeah, I feel like it's like when Hulk Hogan is in a chin lock and you have the arm that gets one and then it comes up for two and then it's just about to hit the ground for three and then he hulks up and he starts shaking it. And I absolutely feel that way at like 155. That's when Peacemaker (laughs) gets up and starts throwing haymakers, you know. Wagging your finger. Oh, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, are we are we equating race to Canis with Hulk Hogan? Is that what's happening You're, here? You don't every single time we talk? What are you talking? I am, Think about it. I am the incarnation of Hulk Hogan for a new generation. What are we talking about right now? Wait, to be an incarnation, doesn't the old version have to be dead? Hasn't Hulk Hogan been dead to you for at least five years? Pretty I mean, much. Also, Ray has the same beard. Thank you. Same, same amount of hair. Be honest, yeah, our hair, our hairlines are very uh, remarkably the same. Uh, Twenty-four inch pythons are clearly like keep the guns off the streets. I right, probably should have taken advantage say. of that keeps offer. Is what I'm what I'm hearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> they, they, they did. They did inquire. They're like, "Hey, how do you guys like keeps? Is it working for?" And I'm like, "I think it's fantastic." And they're like. <laughs> Anyway, um, listen, you know, we got to go to Legion of Audience. So, Ray, you're on board. I think it should be the thing. We have the judge of judges saying we should put this two-minute rule in. Let's take this to the Legion of Audience, our fan base. Tell us what you think. Be vocal about it. Should the two-minute incapacitation rule be an official rule within the Who Would Win show? All right. 
Listen, we've got an insane episode today. We've got Peacemaker. We've got Black Knight. We've got Race of Canaan. You got me. And you have, I'm just going to call you this, the judge of judges, Delvin Cox. You couldn't have a recipe for a better episode of Who Would Win. With all that being said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing DC Comics, the anti-hero who wants peace but is a little scared of it. I think he might be xenophobic. Peacemaker. And representing Marvel Comics, the hero who is capable of great heroism, but people are still always disappointed when they find out he's not Martin Lawrence, Black Knight. How dare you? If you didn't think I was going to make a Martin Lawrence reference in this episode, you do not know me at all. You know, it's funny when you do a Google search on the Black Knight. Right. That's absolutely the Martin Lawrence. One through 15. The things that come up are all Martin Lawrence. Yes. Right. And, and by the way, it was brilliant. It's a great movie. It was a brilliant great movie. Great film. All right, well done. Right now, before we go any, go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. All right, Ray, you kind of hinted, what version of the Peacemaker will you be using today? You know, a lot of me wanted to go with the comic book version of Peacemaker, who goes back <laughs> a very long time. But you put John Cena in front of me, and I don't yeah. even care that we're doing this episode before the first season of Peacemaker has even completed yet. I want to use John Cena if you give me a chance to use John Cena. So I'm going to be using the movie and television John Cena version of Peacemaker. God help us all. I think that's actually, if you research the Peacemaker comic book version's background, I think you've made the right choice. I'm going to leave it at that for our audience. Okay. Listen, the Black Knight kind of really exists in comic books, and we saw them uh, played by Kid Harrington. And I really like the uh, display of powers and abilities that we saw for the Black Knight in the Eternals. So that's why I'll be using the Marvel 616 version, surprise, surprise, of the Black Knight. Just a little bit more history, a little bit more feats I can pull upon. I mean, to be fair, right, James, number- if you were to use Black Knight from Eternals, you'd have to essentially skip half of point one, all of point two, and half of point three, because he's barely in the movie at all, except for the very beginning and very end. I wouldn't want to win that way, Ray. I wouldn't Sorry, want I'll you to win that. either, so we're on the same That's page. That's right. All right, rule number, we're on the same page. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, possibly two-minute incapacitation. Who knows? And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. Now, feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. And don't forget to visit us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, where you can see all of our fun stuff, Thunderdome, behind the scenes, and just interact with us in a way that very few people can. Ray, who is the featured patron of the week? Today's featured patron of the week, yeah, that is hard to say, is Jim Ingrata, father of Gabe Ingrata, who is also a Patreon member. Uh, James, who is Jim going to fight this week? Listen, Jim's a very important member of the Who Would Win community, so you got to give him something insanely great to fight again. Uh, I'm going to have him go against Orko 
from uh, Masters of the Universe. Okay, Orko against Jim and Grada. Now, the problem for Orko in this particular battle is going to be his general lack of size and his inability to do magic exactly the way that he wants. Because Jim is such a kind, caring person, he's not going to threaten Orko's family, Eternia, or anything else. He's just going to walk up to him. He's going to whisper something very, very casually menacing. Orko's going to be like, what? He's going to shoot like a rainbow out of his left hand, but that that's not enough because Jim has closed the distance and puts a letter opener into the back of his spine. Orko takes a loss. He can hover in the air, but he's going to be lying flat on the ground after a battle with Jim Ingrata on this day. That's true. You got to remember with Jim Ingrata, he's a tech genius. This is a classic example of tech versus magic, yep. where for the first time ever, tech will overcome magic. Congratulations, congratulations, Jim. Thank you for being such a great patron for our, our great community on Patreon. Uh, more to follow on that. In this life, it pays to zig when everyone else is zagging. Movement saw a stagnant marketplace for watches and accessories and changed it with their unbelievable prices on some pretty classy stuff. You know by now I love my Astro Blue watch. I wear it when I want to look good. When we do live Who Would Win shows again in 2023, I guarantee I will be wearing my Astro Blue watch. And you know what time of year it is. Get something classy for your loved ones and don't break your bank to do it. Be the good gifter with movement. During their seasonal sale, get a special discount just in time for the holidays. Join the movement today at MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Join the movement. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for The Peacemaker. Peacemaker is an anti-hero who uses extreme violence to bring about peace. 
He was created by Joe Gill and Pat Boyette and first appeared in Fightin' Five, number 40, back in 1966. Originally a creation of Charlton Comics, Peacemaker was among a series of characters purchased by DC Comics when Charlton Comics went under. In his original incarnation, Peacemaker was a diplomat who pledged never to use violence until he came to believe that his enemies would no longer be stopped in any other way. Somehow, Peacemaker was also a secret master weapons maker like Tony Stark who kept all of these weapons for himself in like a basement somewhere. The version I will be using today, however, is none of those things. In the Suicide Squad follow-up movie and HBO Max TV series, wrestler John Cena plays Peacemaker as a capable but socially clueless mercenary. He is a master of all weapons, in peak physical condition, and has the will to see a tough mission through. Fun fact, the Peacemaker TV series can quite literally be said to be for the lols. As Suicide Squad writer James Gunn said that he wrote the series on his own for fun without the studio even asking during the COVID-19 quarantine. And after the Suicide Squad movie was looking like it was probably going to be a hit, the studio approached Gunn about doing a spin-off TV series, and little did they know, he already had Peacemaker completely written already. Well, that is Peacemaker. Interesting. I like where you're going with this. Great series, great character. John Cena, you got to love him. This is an interesting choice. Great strategy on your part, Race to Canis. Now, here are the details for the Black Knight. The Black Knight, the Black Knight, aka Dane Whitman, first appeared in the Avengers number 47 back in December of 1967 and was created by Roy Thomas and John Buscema. The first Black Knight, Whitman's ancestor, Sir Percy of Scandia, lived during the reign of King Arthur. Percy's murder at the hand of his nemesis, Mordred, began a string of successors, all of them being Percy direct descendants. The Black Knight's legacy is revived by Dane Whitman's uncle, Nathan Garrett, who becomes the supervillain known as the Black Knight 2. After being mortally wounded during a battle with Iron Man, of all people, he escapes to his estate, summons his nephew Dane to confess his crimes, and asks him to restore honor to their family legacy and atone for Garrett's misdeeds, giving Whitman the weapons that he used for crime. Armed with the Ebony Blade, the Black Knight fights alongside the Avengers, Doctor Strange, and other notable Marvel heroes, and continues his quest to defeat all threats that are super-powered, based in super-advanced tech, and especially supernatural that the world has to face. And here's an interesting fact about the Black Knight. Did you know that Thor, of all people, has a long-standing grudge against the Black Knight and really doesn't like him at all? It's true. When Sir Percy was the Black Knight, Thor, way back when, and his Vikings came to Camelot to fight, I'm using air quotes here, the darkness that had filled, that was filled with during, you know, the medieval ages, I guess that's the Black Plague or what have you. The Black Knight, aka Sir Percy, refused to stand back, though, challenging Thor to a one-on-one fight instead of an all-out brawl between the two armies. Thor accepted, but instead of defeating the knight comfortably, he toyed around and taunted his opponent, kind of pulling a race to Canis. Getting severely ticked off with Thor's taunting, the Black Knight fired a powerful blast from his ebony sword, like a James Gabsy would, knocking the God of Thunder out cold, embarrassing him in front of the Vikings. Again, it was Sir Percy as the Black Knight and not Dane Whitman, but Black Knight is a Black Knight, so Thor's grudge still stands to this day. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Delvin, do you have any questions before we get started? So, to be clear, we are not using Martin Lawrence's version of the Black Knight, correct? I'm shocked myself. That's who I prepared for. I I didn't want to go with someone so uh, insanely powerful. 
who clearly could manipulate time. I mean, that's just not a fair battle with, and no offense to John Cena, it just it just didn't line up the right way. I decided to go with the less powerful version of the Black Knight, uh, you know, the Marvel 616 version. Noble man, noble man. Yeah, that's no what questions. I do. Very cool. Let's get this party started. Ray, hit us with your point number one. Point number one for my friend, the Peacemaker, is that he is a master of all weapons. It is said on episode one of the Peacemaker television series that he, Peacemaker knows how to use at an expert level every single weapon that there is. That's what makes him such a compelling mercenary. That's what makes him so good out into the field is that he comes loaded for bear. He comes loaded with all kinds of different weapons. We'll bring a backpack with him that just has extra weapons and things in it and he knows how to use everything that he finds and everything that he brings and some stuff that he just makes up along the way among the different types of weapons in his arsenal we start with blow darts we saw him in the suicide squad movie dropping a whole bunch of people with blow darts from like a kind of a good distance away showing that all he has to do is have a little tube and have a dart with a little bit of poison or sleeping toxin or whatever the heck it is shoot it at somebody and he's going to be able to drop them at, at great precision. I don't think he missed a single blow dart shot in the entire suicide squad movie. Now those characters were not like the black Knight. Wait a minute. Yes, they are. They were just humans, just like the black Knight. No supernatural abilities there. So I'd like to say, sure. I don't think he should have any problem hitting him with a, a blow dart if it comes down to it, but he also used throwing axes, anything that's sharp. He was picking up throwing axes, chucking them across the battlefield hitting people square in the face with them at again a decent distance away and one shot killing everybody he was hitting with a throwing axe at one point he himself pulled out a sword and just started wailing on people and decapitating them and, and you know cutting them up into pieces and again one shotting people with a sword i'm not going to argue that peacemaker is as good a swordsman as black knight black knight is known in the marvel circles as the best swordsman that there is but peacemaker if he has a sword in his hand, is no joke as well. I'm going to say, I think he can hang with them at least long enough to reach for a gun. Because gun versus sword, what I have learned through history is gun tends to beat sword every single step of the day. But let's talk about these guns for a little bit because we've seen him use large shotguns, like combat shotguns, like out of Call of Duty or something. He loves Desert Eagle pistols, which are extremely powerful pistols. You get hit with one shot from that, you pretty much are going to go down for the count. He's been able to hit people without even looking at him. He, at one point, he just puts the gun over his shoulder and he plugs a dude from, again, a decent distance away with perfect accuracy. Peacemaker doesn't miss shots. Peacemaker hits when he shoots. He's shooting at these butterfly um, uh, metahuman creatures in the Peacemaker series, these humans that have been possessed by butterfly aliens that are essentially parasites, which give them metahuman powers. And he's just sitting there just chucking them off one at a time with shotguns, pistols, blowing half of their head off with one shot. Why? Because another thing that Peacemaker uses is exploding bullets. He will bring bullets to the table that if they hit you, you blow up. <laughs> so he's not going to need to hit Black Knight more than one time with a bullet in order to win this battle. And the last thing is some of the craziness because he's very much an over-the-top character. And in the most recent episode of Peacemaker, episode five, he brings to a battlefield inside a warehouse where there's a whole bunch of these butterfly metahuman alien uh, possessed creatures. And he brings a gigantic, what was probably about a two foot bomb from like a Russian tank. And he straps a grenade to it. Why? Because grenade can only kill one or two people, he says, but a bomb can kill a whole lot more. <laughs> 
So he's not afraid to go big. He's not afraid to send Black Knight home. He's just got too much of an arsenal for a guy with a sword to manage, and that's my point number one. This is interesting because I'm not going to def- you know uh, deny that he is a master improviser with weapons highly accomplished with whatever he can get his hands on. But what I am going to push back on is the fact that he doesn't carry like this massive bomb that you were just describing. That's not something he has on him all the time. So Ray, I just got a super quick question. What does he have on him that would count as standard armaments? The thing is when he leaves the house, he straps up. I mean, he brings a whole bunch of stuff with him, whatever he feels like he might need in the moment. You say he doesn't have this bomb with him all the time. Well, he did when he when he needed it in the moment. He just brought up. He brings a backpack of all kinds of stuff. I'll talk about kind of the, the tech and the equipment a little bit later on. But as far as what he brings, he brings a lot of firepower with him anywhere he goes. Now he might not specifically have that one bomb, but that's just an example of the levels that he's willing to just bring casually to a battlefield. Remember, he walked into that warehouse. With, and immediately saw that these were aliens without saying a word. Just started blowing them away, one shotting each one with his shotgun. Definitely. He's definitely a shoot first, think much later type of person. Or not at all. Think not at all. That's or, fine, th- or too. Or think not at all. Right. It's it's action, action, action. And then kind of like, you know, hey, maybe I'll talk about this later. Yep. So that, that's interesting. It's an interesting character all around. All right. This is good because it's a, it's a complete opposite, really, of the Black Knight. Let me get to, you know, something really good about him, my point number one. I could go on about his weapons and, you know, other stuff, but let me talk about, you know, the physicality of the Black Knight. So he's more than just some cool medieval looking armored guy with a sword and shield. He's actually really, uh, he is a, a physical specimen. There's just no way around it. He's actually been physically enhanced by magic and to the point that it's still there. It, it makes him, you know, borderline superhuman, you know, as in Captain America is the level that you measure that compared to a peak human. He's there. He's not way past it, but he's definitely there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he shares some of the same physicality as Captain America. And, you know, the one area is really is his durability is really good. Uh, he's able to survive falls from many hundreds of feet in the air. He can survive getting hit by two missiles. I mean, this is highly durable stuff. He's got low-level super strength that's kind of there. But again, really good durability. But it's his speed and reflexes that make him stand out. And let me give you a few examples. In terms of speed, he's so fast, he can avoid Hawkeye's arrows. Now, that's a, not just a speed feat. That's a reflex feat. Because as as great of a marksman as the Peacemaker is, I know he's up there in the DC universe, Hawkeye may be top five. He may be number one. And that's who the Black Knight is dodging. They're dodging Hawkeye's arrows. That's crazy. He can avoid gunfire by dodging it. He can avoid energy blasts from someone like Kang the Conqueror. He's fast enough to save Spider-Man when Spider-Man was caught by surprise with a high-tech gun that got put to his head. He can dodge blasts of magic coming in at super speed. This is just someone who can move really, really fast, and he's got that combat speed. By the way, the Black Knight trains with Captain America on a regular basis, and on top of that, is also a really accomplished and skilled, fighting, skilled fighter on his own. It's actually really cool. He's such a good fighter that he's knocked out super villains before with just one punch using just his boxing skills. That's crazy. In fact, Captain America, this is a direct quote, Captain America refers to the Black Knight's tactical sense as second to none, which means he's got a high fighting IQ. And the Black Knight isn't just a great fighter. Oh no, he's actually a scientific genius on top of all that who can figure things out super quickly, create great tech, understand the technical aspects of anything that he's facing, and then modify it on the spot. At 
one point, he was leading the Avengers and also served as a resident scientific go-to guru. I believe in this iteration of the Avengers, Iron Man wasn't present, nor was uh, Ant-Man or whomever. So uh, Dane Whitman, the Black Knight, was actually the scientific guru for the Avengers, even though he's kind of a magically-based character. It's really cool. On top of that, he's not above killing for the right reasons. So he doesn't have this code that says, I can't kill anyone. He's like, no, no, no. You're a bad person. If I don't kill you, you're going to kill a lot more. Yeah, I'm taking you out. The Joker would have been dead years ago if he was facing the Black Knight. Now, this also makes him an interesting hero. And did I mention, by the way, he has a creature called Aragorn, a genetically engineered winged white horse that can fly at super speed. Now, this is up to Delvin Cox to see whether or not that winged horse should stay in this or not. I don't know, but it's just something that's really cool that he's got because he engineered the winged horse that can fly at super speed. Put all this together, and you can see the Black Knight is one hell of an opponent even without weapons. Good thing he's got some really good ones. That's my point number one. Okay, wait a minute. You would dare to bring a horse into a battle, James? That's disgusting. It Isn't is it? awful to think that you would actually let somebody bring their animal companion into a battle. I am I am mystified that you would even try something so hideously dirty, and I just you know, want that on the record. Now, you talk I, about Black Knight being a genius. Yeah, he's so smart he couldn't even figure out that his girlfriend was a 5,000-year-old Eternal. So I don't really know how much yeah, I put into the smartness of him. <laughs> Granted, it's the movie version, but still, all the same. That's the only one Listen, I Listen, who doesn't I like older women? Come on now. I mean, I mean, to be fair. Now, Captain America, you're trying to say right now a guy without the super soldier serum is as strong and as, as Captain America? That is an outrageous statement. We saw the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show exactly with U.S. Agent. How ridiculously overpowered you go from being a regular tough guy, U.S. Agent, to what he became after taking the Super Soldier Serum. That is a night and day transformation. Pardon the pun. But Black Knight does not have that. You cannot even remotely compare him to Captain America. That's outrageous. And Hawkeye's arrows being dodged. It feels like every time we have any Marvel character at all he's dodged Hawkeye's arrow. I'm starting to think Hawkeye's not that good at shooting I'll go ahead and just put it out there every single person we've ever talked about has dodged his arrows or caught one in midair before it hit him Hawkeye I want to say you might be a little overrated in the shooting department I'll put it on the record we haven't seen Peacemaker like dodge you know green arrows arrows although I'm hoping we see that you know at the, the I mean, season finale I'd love uh, to see it that would be great right Delvin Cox You've heard points one from Ray and myself. I like this whole magic, cool science thing going on. Where's your head at with this battle so far? So far, I like what you guys are talking about. Ray came out swinging with the weapons, the things that Peacemaker uses. You came out with, hey, Black Knight's very defensive. He ha he's very a tactician. He has a lot of things that he can counteract Peacemaker with. So I want to kind of see what you guys take from there and give me ideas where, how each other can get that killing blow. Ah, interesting. This is why you are the judge of judges. Okay, Ray, we've got a direction here with Delvin. Go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Peacemaker. First off, you know, you brought up, oh, Black Knight's not afraid to kill. You're facing Peacemaker, a guy whose literal entire concept is he murders everyone. So, I mean, I'm glad that Black Knight has no problem killing if he feels like he needs to, but Peacemaker opens with a kill shot. He walked into that village in the Suicide Squad movie, and all he needed to know was they are bad. And he just started wailing on everybody, one shot murdering the entire camp, an outrageous character. And this character is played by John Cena. Now, you know, we talk about John Cena, and we talk about how much we love John Cena, but this 
this dude is a tank. This dude is a brick house of a man. You know, I love me some Kit Harrington. It's the only physical approximation I have to go with. Jon Snow is not a very large man. John Cena is the bigger John of the two. It's like big John stud up in here. If we're going to go 1980s wrestling references, and I always will if I have the opportunity to. Now, John Cena is just an outrageously big man. So you're going to say like, oh, he has peak physical form. He's not more powerful than John Cena who can move and is like muscles growing out of muscles on top of other muscles wearing a costume made of muscles. That's John Cena's actual body. So if we're using that as the physicality and we have to, cause that's the version I'm using the physical, the physicality of it is just way more on, on peacemaker side of things. Now let's talk about some of the things he's done because he is mission critical. If he thinks that the mission is important and he thinks that this person needs to go, it's too important for him to lose. It's too important for him to feel pain. You literally pretty much have to kill him in order to get him off of his mission and it doesn't matter how much pain he has look at that fight he had with rick flag in the suicide squad movie where he was just picking him up and throwing him through like what was like harvesting bins and things over and over again picking up a giant man like uh, a kinnaman joel kinnaman the actor who plays him is like six five and peacemaker was picking him up and ragdolling him like a small child uh throwing him through a bin like we've all done you know i mean we've all been on a farm before my point is is that when you pick up and throw a man that size, you got a lot of power behind you. One would say more than peak human, potentially, and in that fight, he beat Rick Flag. Rick Flag is a great fighter. Rick Flag has a, a whole bunch of weapons. He's, he's a very, very well-trained guy. And he got his butt handed to him by Peacemaker in that battle. And all he could do on the way out the door before dying is make fun of his name. I mean, that's how impotent, that's how weak Rick Flagg was at the end of that battle. All he basically had was, your name is dumb, and then he died. He didn't even have a good comeback. What a, what a terrible way to go. Come up with something clever so you can shout it out with your final breath. Otherwise, I'll judge you forever, Rick Flagg. But let's talk about some of the things that he's done in the actual TV show. He fights these alien butterflies, which are, again, parasites which turn their hosts into metahumans. He was stabbed repeatedly by a one in the very first episode, and she was running around this apartment, threw him through a wall, stabbed him with a butcher knife, with a kitchen knife, like, repeatedly. He took a lot of stabbings in that and was still able to win that fight, was still able to get out of that apartment. He's jumped from level to level onto concrete and been able to get up and keep going. Why? Because he's tough. He's extremely tough in the Suicide Squad movie. He uh, was in a prison transport that got blown up. The vehicle did. Flew and rolled off the cliff. The back door just opens and then he just walks out with literally not a scratch on him. And he fought an alien-possessed gorilla in the most recent episode of the Peacemaker TV series, episode five, eight, like an eight-foot-tall gorilla that could speak with a human-type uh, brain because he was parasitically controlled. And he got knocked across a room by him, sure, but kept getting up and fighting. He just You cannot keep this man down. And the most important thing about Peacemaker uh, with John Cena uh, portrayal is the fact that he is invisible because you can't see him. And that's my point number two. All right, so here's the deal. Of course you can't see John Cena. That's that We've known that for years. But the, here's the real thing. How dare you? How dare you invoke the name of Big John Studd and say, wow, John Cena is just like the big – no, he is not. Listen, John Cena is a big dude. Don't get me wrong. He's what, 6'1", 6'2", maybe, 240, 250. That's a good-sized dude. Big John Studd was 6'10", 360 pounds with a 38-inch waist, mind you. That's how much of a nerd I am. That's what I knew about pro wrestlers. Don't ever – 
compare those two again just okay, because I listen, love Okay, you might have those numbers right. He's six foot one, 251 pounds, which I don't like to think of the idea that I'm heavier than John Cena. That doesn't make me feel good at all. <laughs> I know. But the point through it all is, is that compared to Kit Harrington, he might as well be Big John Stud. That's true, but we're not using the Kit Harrington version. You're not, James, but it's easier if I argue it. That's fair. That's fair. But no, we we, we just can't because he's great. Uh, just you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have on my my side for a fight. Is all I'm saying. Listen, you, you know, you're dissing Rick Flag here because pretty much even though he was at the very end, he had the mounted position and was choking uh, the peacemaker. The peacemaker in a really cool move took that shard of glass or something, stabbed him in the heart with it, and you're putting down Rick Flag because he didn't have a good enough line going out while he was dying. Really? That's what you have against Rick Flag. And then the real big thing about all of this too is that you're revealing that Peacemaker's strategy is um non-existent, really. He's wow. a fight, he's a fight, he's a fight type of person. I'm gonna be a battering ram. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna try to outlast my opponent, but I want to get the win. I'm gonna ignore everything else around me. And I'm just, by the way, that's why I love the character. But he's not a tactician. Right. You're kind of saying this over and over. All right. right, you said he's a fight kind of person. Well, thank God we're talking about fights here, James. I know. And you know what? You know what kind of is weird about fights? You know, hear me out, Ray, okay. is when you have a strategy. That's weird. When you have tactics. I don't you know, like it. It, it just might be something you want to do. Now, let me kind of go into a bit more of why I love the Black Knight as a character. For my point number two, we're going to talk about weapons for a second. So the Black Knight has armor and a helmet, and this increases his durability and ability to take punishment. I believe the armor is bulletproof. It can protect him from sharp objects. It's also super lightweight, so it doesn't impede his movement whatsoever. The Black Knight also has a shield that he sometimes used called the Shield of Night. This is also something super durable. It can absorb kinetic and magical energy. Uh, it's super powerful uh, in terms that it can stop any type of attack. Uh, it stores the energy and then it can redirect it. Now, he doesn't always have a shield. It's sometimes there, sometimes not. So I'm going to really lean heavily on his ebony sword. Now, he's had different swords, but the ebony sword is really what he's known for. And the sword is an indestructible, enchanted weapon that has had many people hold it over the centuries. It was carved evidently from a meteor and enchanted by Merlin. And as a result, this weapon has crazy and really like insane powers, like insane powers. First of all, the sword can cut through pretty much almost anything you can think of. Um, the one time, let's bring Adam Antium into this, Wolverine was fighting the uh, the Black Knight and they're just kind of going toe for toe. And all of a sudden, Wolverine's like, oh yeah, watch this, I'm gonna break your sword. And he starts smashing and slashing his claws into the sword and nothing's happening to the sword. Wolverine's like, what the heck is that made of? It really threw him back. Now, Wolverine's claws didn't get damaged either, but the sword was absolutely fine. Uh, let's see, the Ebony Sword can absorb all types of energy as well. It can store it and shoot it back. In one battle, the Black Knight is facing off, uh, using the Ebony Blade, he's facing off against Zeus. Now, just to put this in perspective, Zeus is as powerful as considered at least in the same level as Odin, who's above Thor, okay? Keep that in mind. So, all of a sudden, Zeus shoots his magical black Last at the Black Knight. The Black Knight sticks up to the Ebony Sword, shields himself rather using the sword, absorbs it, and then shoots that right back at Zeus, hurting Zeus. Now, it didn't take him out, but if you can hurt Zeus, that's pretty cool. Let's see. On top of that, it can destroy mystical... Uh, the sword can evidently destroy mystical barriers and deflect or absorb all kinds of mystical energy. We talked about it before. Doctor Strange created what he believed was a barrier of magic so powerful that, in his words, it was beyond comprehension. And the Black Knight just responded with the equivalent of, yeah, that's cute, and just 
easily cut through it anyway. And Doctor Strange is like, what just happened here? That should not have happened. This is crazy. The Black Knight can use that sword. He can summon the sword um, in kind of a similar way that Thor calls Mjolnir to him, except the Black Knight can call his ebony sword through space and time. So Kane the Conqueror actually took the sword with them back in the 40th century. And somehow Dane Whitman, the Black Knight, was like, I need my sword. I had to focus. And it comes through time back to him. That is crazy. Speaking of time, the ebony sword is so powerful that it can slice through time. Yes, it can slice through time. Again, I have no idea how this works in Marvel Comics. Physics is a real kind of crazy thing. It can slice through time. I'm not sure how you'd use it in this fight. I have no idea, but it's just a fun fact. Here's another fun fact. The Ebony Sword can also never be used against the Black Knight if it's somehow dropped from his hands, whatever. Someone can get it. It just can't be used against him because of that enchantment. And here's a small little thing the Ebony Sword can do. It's like, it's so insignificant. It's like, I'm not even sure I should mention it because it's like dumb. I'm going to mention it anyway. Okay. The sword evidently can resurrect Dane Whitman from death. All right. In case he's killed or dies, the sword can resurrect him back to life. Well under two minutes, by the way, speaking of new rules. But, you know, here's the thing. James Earl Jones said something. Um, I think it was Thulsa Doom in a Conan the Barbarian movie where he said, what is steel compared to the hand that wields it? And this is a cool part because, Ray, you already said it. The Black Knight is probably the best swordsman in all of Marvel Comics. He beat the character named the swordsman who was supposed to have the title as best swordsman. He beat him. Dracula's son. It was a character named Tepes or something like that. He said the Black Knight was among the greatest swordsmen of all time. And he's seen a lot. He's such an expert at using a sword that he disarmed Thor. He disarmed Thor when Thor was holding Mjolnir. That's pretty insane. You know, listen, when Magneto tried to kill him throwing boulders at him, he just used the sword to block him. When he's like throwing pellets at him, like bullets, whatever, he's just using the sword. When missiles are coming at him, he's like, hey, I'm just going to twirl my ebony sword in a circle and block missiles, which he did. All of this is ridiculous. You know, and again, remember in the fun facts that we said at the beginning of the intro, he knocked out, uh, this sword was used to knock out Thor unconscious. Look, I love the Peacemaker. I love his weapons, but he's got nothing that compares to the Ebony Sword or what the Black Knight has on him. That's my point number two. Okay, a lot of stuff is very interesting, and I've done a little bit of uh, learning as far as uh, how this character works and what this character can do. So a couple things I just want to talk about here is the armor. You're going to try to pretend that the armor that the Black Knight wears is effectively the Black Panther's armor that can absorb energy. And, and so it is not, it is, it is seen to be a somewhat mystical armor. It, it's more durable than as light as it is, but there hasn't been a whole lot really expressed through the years as far as the armor doing something like Here, that on he, a consistent here's basis. The, deal. the armor does not have the same capabilities as the ebony sword for sure. Well, the cool thing about the ebony sword that you left out is that the ebony sword is cursed. The ebony sure. sword has a curse that it has upon the bearer, which made the Black Knight give get rid of it. He put it back in the meteor from which it came from and stopped using it. And then eventually through some storylines, he was forced to get it back to use it, but he doesn't like it. In fact, Count Dracula, a guy we might know from this show a little bit, Count Dracula actually replaced the ebony blade with a fake one. So he doesn't even use the ebony sword anymore. So all of these things are absolutely wonderful that you're talking about the ebony blade, but he he, he really he got rid of it. He doesn't want to use it, and he's using a fake one. I don't think the ebony blade should really be on the table for this N character. Nice try. You, you got to avoid trying to use the IMF here. Here's the deal. The You're right. He, does it, he at one point did not like the ebony blade. However, he has come to embrace it, especially over the probably the last six years or so. This is now a mainstream, like a mainstay thing he's got. 
Uh, it was cursed. He did get rid of it and came out with other types of swords that in other ways may even be better for this battle. But he is known, especially in the recent past, to actually possess that ebony blade. No, there is a, there was a comic book written not that long ago called King in Black. And in that particular comic, the wizard, uh, whose name is Merlin, uh, I believe you might have talked about him a little bit earlier, and talks about how you use the cursed sword and, and what its deal is, and that the cursed sword can be used best by like the most hate-filled and awful people, and that in order for a good person to use it, they have to push through all that negative emotion. Guess who carries with him a lot of anger, a lot of hate? I would argue that as far as the immortality and the bringing back to life thing goes, when Peacemaker blows Black Knight's head off, he's going to pick up and take that sword for himself, and it's going to feel a lot more at home in somebody like Peacemakers. Yeah, the, the Ebony Sword still has, like, that's why, and this is a great point, by the way, that's why it's, like, kind of always... It, through the Black Knight's history, Thor's often involved because a lot of people consider the Ebony Sword kind of the other side of the coin of Mjolnir. You have to be worthy. One is a good type of worthy. The other one is like maybe not so good that it's you're cursed with it. But at this point, the Ebony Sword still is going after descendants of the original bearer, uh, uh, Sir Percy, back in the day, which Peacemaker is definitely not. Now, with all that being said, great research on your part, Race to Canis. With all that being said, we're at the turning point. Delvin Cox, this is where you tell us who you think is ahead and what the other side has to do to win this battle. Okay, this is what I got so far. I think Ray's second point was solid in terms of him describing Peacemaker's durability and how he handles things and how he can take a lot of damage. I'm not buying the, the whole you can't see me thing because that's John Zena. That's not Peacemaker. But otherwise than that, what I need to hear from Ray is how Peacemaker can take out this character who has armor with all of his weapons and things like that. Because, like I said, Black Knight has armor. He has, if his chest plate's bulletproof and Peacemaker uses bullets, how are you going to get through that? He has a helmet on, so how are you going to get that helmet off? That's very important. On your side, James, I was listening to all, some of the things you were saying. The whole energy consumption thing doesn't matter with Peacemaker. He doesn't shoot energy. So I don't, think, I don't find that to be relevant enough. But on the other hand, the sword being so powerful, this is the kind of a battle where I feel like if Black Knight gets in close, it's over for Peacemaker. But if Peacemaker can figure out a way to get that helmet off or get through that armor, he can win it. So it's still anybody's battle so far. I would probably give the slight edge to Black Knight, but it's not that much of a slight edge. I would say do not sleep on your laurels because this can go either way. Interesting. All right. I, I wouldn't have thought that you'd be pushing or giving uh, the Peacemaker so much credit, but Ray, you're doing a good job with this. Okay. It's time for uh, us to give each other that knockout blow. Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number three. Point number three for Peacemaker. We got to talk about some of the tech that he's bringing to the table as well as some of the intangibles. Now, Delvin, you talk about, oh, if it's a bulletproof, I mean, it's, 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 it's more durable than light armor should be. I think, you know, maybe a Kevlar vest or something like that may be appropriate. Bullets can still, you know, impact, do damage and get through. And remember, Peacemaker is using high caliber armor piercing exploding bullets. He's not just out there shooting a 22 special at this guy and thinking it's going to bring him down. He's going to be bringing some hardware to the table. So yes, durable, 
exceedingly durable light armor is still just light armor at the end of the day. I don't care if he's out there in plate mail. What Peacemaker is bringing to the table will be able to penetrate it. Now let's talk about his father. His dad, uh, played brilliantly by the T-1000, uh, Robert Patrick, um, is, a, is a terrible human being. He is a white supremacist and was a supervillain known as the White Dragon, who uh, is just an absolute garbage person. And it's, it's fun to watch their interplay because he's just so awful. He's so awful to his poor son, who's dealing with that baggage every single day. But he also was a great inventor. And he has a pocket dimension built into a room in his hallway of his home where you just open the door and it opens to this like Doctor Who TARDIS like room where he has this gigantic sci-fi futuristic workshop with all of these super like tech weapons and tech armor and everything. And this leads to him making for his son a whole bunch of helmets. And each of these helmets has a super ability that it brings to the table in the very first episode. He used what looked like a quake type helmet where he was being attacked by this metahuman in the parking lot outside her apartment building after he kind of jumped off of like, what was it, like the fourth, fifth story balcony or whatever? Like, you know, durable. But also he throws on the helmet that he had in his car, shoots it at her, and it essentially like implodes her. <laughs> there are just pieces of her everywhere to the point where the, uh, the police who come to the scene to investigate pick up a thing they don't know what it is. And she's like, this is weird. And the other inspector's like, I think that's part of a face. So maybe put that down. They couldn't even recognize it up close. He's got matter-destroying capabilities from this high-tech helmet that his terrible father has made for him. But he has other helmets. He referenced that he has a force field helmet that he could also potentially have access to uh, at any given time, which would protect him from anything the Black Knight's going to do. And he also, interestingly, has an X-ray helmet that he used in this most recent fifth episode as well. And the X-ray helmets would allow him to see when the alien parasites were inside your brains. But if he wants to use an X-ray helmet, that might show him where weak spots on the armor that Black Knight is bringing to the table can be found. He can find the little holes, the little weak spots, and then aim at them, shoot at them, and do whatever he needs to do there. And you might say he doesn't necessarily bring all these helmets to the table. Well, he raided his father's house in the last episode that I saw and shoved all those helmets into his backpack, and he always brings the backpack with him whenever he's going to go to a, a fight. Whenever he leaves the house, he's got this backpack with him. So he comes with a lot of tech with him at any given moment, and if he's got that Quake helmet, you can forget about it. He's also got a very, very important thing that I have to mention, Eagly. He's got his animal companion, which you know is going to be present on the battlefield. Eagly is good for a distraction. It's good for tearing into people. It's good for getting in the face of the Black Knight, interfering with his ability to see what's going on so that Peacemaker can blow him away. Also, Eagly can also like you know uh, be above and, and call out and let Peacemaker know where Black Knight is. He's trying to hide behind a piece of cover. Cover doesn't last long to Peacemaker. <laughs> he's going to blow it away and then blow away the person behind it. All he needs to know is where that person is, and he's got an eye in the sky at any given time. Eagly is absolutely an X-Force in this battle. At the end of the day, Peacemaker is a long-range character against a short-range character, and we all know that he who lives by the sword dies by the crossbow bolt. That's an old expression that I saw on a button at a game convention in 1987. My point is, long-range tends to win. We remember Indiana Jones and the guy with the sword. We remember every single case, sword versus close quarters, the gun's going to win and he's bringing a lot of them and he's bringing a lot of bombs and he's bringing a lot, a, a lot of hardware to the table. It's just going to be too much. And when you consider that each of his helmets is essentially an auto win, press the auto win button. 
it, this match is over before it starts because Black Knight can't get through all this. And that's my point number three. It's interesting that he didn't wear like a special hel- helmet when he was fighting Judo Master. That would have been a good time to put on a helmet. But he well, he had didn't. a lot of he had a lot of friends around him there, and oh. that, that thing like that thing like detonated the entire parking lot. Got it, it was a so, desperation. So it's it's like a special occasion helmet, like formal yeah. wear. Like if That's you're at a exactly bar mitzvah, right. a wedding, a quinceanera, then you put on the helmet. It's but the just cumber, like it, it's the cummerbund of headwear. That's fair. Like if you're in the forest, you know, just fighting against judo master who had no weapons or superhuman powers, or whatever. And, and I'm not going to fade judo master. That guy can go. He, I, I mean, I'm I'm actually going to do that. I, I'll, I'll play into that. Okay, let's talk about Eagly. Love Eagly. I'll actually go with Aragorn, Aragorn or Aragorn. Sorry, the flying horse. From that, uh, the black uh, uh, knight rides and uses and flies at super speed. I'll take that over eagerly, but you know, uh, tip for that's all good. Let's see, the ebony blade actually can fight at long range, it can shoot super powerful blasts of energy. Remember, that's the thing that took out Thor by shooting a blast of energy at Thor from a distance. Did the same thing against Zeus. This thing is a ranged weapon as well, can hit people at a far range. Uh, let's see, uh, black knight can take crazy shots, he's done that before from superhuman beings, uh, people shooting at him with like crazy, uh, super powerful uh, guns and what have you. That's not a problem. And uh, yeah, overall, I don't think uh, Peacemaker has the answer for uh, the Black Knight, but let's kind of go into my point number three to kind of illustrate where I'm going with this. You know, I got to talk about the big wins that the Black Knight has, because this kind of differentiates how the two will fight. So the first one, as part of the Avengers, you know, and part of the upper echelon of the supernatural beings of the Marvel Universe, you got to remember, Black Knight has to go up against a lot of different opponents. I think he's had a lot more of a varied set of opponents than the Peacemaker has, at least so far. And a lot of these opponents are really, really powerful. So he's got a lot of wins over some heavy hitters. Let's talk about one in particular. It's a character named the Grey Gargoyle, who's a super villain who's stronger than Spider-Man, can transmute anything he touches into stone, and since he's made of stone, this is from the Marvel official wiki, he has an impact resistance of stone, which is around 80,000 pounds per square inch, which means if you're going to damage him, you got to hit him with a force of 80,000 pounds per square inch. Black Knight beat him by punching him in the face and knocking him out. A super villain with an impact resistance of 80,000 pounds per square inch got knocked out with one punch by the Black Knight. That's crazy. Let's keep going. He took off the arm of a giant robot named Terminus, who's supposed to be practically unbreakable, uh, unbeatable, and whose strength is listed by the Marvel Wiki as incalculable. This guy is very, very good with the sword, and he loves to go in for the kill. He loves maiming people when he has to, when he feels justified. He goes into it, but he's always got a strategy, and he's always tactical. He beat Kang the Conqueror after Kang had beaten the Avengers. And in case you don't know, Kang is a descendant of Doctor Doom and travels and manipulates time. So yeah, he's kind Kind of powerful, the Black Knight has a win over him. He killed the Kree Supreme Intelligence. Now, what does that even mean? The Kree Supreme Intelligence, the Supreme Intelligence, the alien race of the Kree. You may ask, well, what's that mean? Well, he, that thing has a universal level intact. It's got every psionic power to the highest degree, telepathy, telekinesis, cosmic awareness, postcognition, precognition. I don't even know what postcognition is. He can manipulate energy and matter, project images of itself across space, cyberspace, even the astral planes, and the Black Knight killed that thing. Now, compared that with a Peacemaker, I hate this fight I'm mentioning, by the way, who was beaten by Judo Master, who took him and his uh, his cohort, the Vigilante, on at the same time. And when the Judo Master was fighting him, this was really blowing my mind. The second fight they had where, you know, spoiler, Judo Master gets shot, you know, before the fight's done. Uh, sure, Peacemaker was kind of getting ahead, but the Judo Master caught the Peacemaker by surprise with, you know, he was on his back doing what was called the open guard from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Clearly, he knows more martial arts than just Judo. And that time 
time where he kicked his foot up to uh, Peacemaker's arm or bicep as he's about to like do, and Peacemaker is like surprised that he did. And he's like, what do I do here? Yeah, that's a technique from the mid-90s. Peacemaker's not that good of a fighter if you can't understand what's going on there. A triangle choke. He got caught in a triangle choke. Again, we saw that in the mid-90s. How capable of a fighter. This guy's a brawler. He's not a tactician. He's not as skilled as you may think, but he is strong. That's what's going to happen, but that doesn't work that well against someone like the Black Knight who can take on that kind of punishment, who's faced much more powerful opponents and has got bigger wins. In the end, range weapons with the Ebony Blade. If he somehow dies, he comes back to life in well under two minutes and he's got wins over like insane people. Look, superpowered noble warrior, armed with industrial indestructible sword that can shoot out blasts of magical energy that can knock out Thor and take on Zeus. And as someone who has killed beings that could threaten the universe versus Peacemaker, who unfortunately lost to the Judo Master, put all that together and much as much as I love and I'm highly entertained by the Peacemaker, he's not winning this battle. That's my point number three. A lot of the time you talk about your IMF, which I've come to realize doesn't actually stand for intoxicating mind fog. It stands for I make up facts because James, you're blowing the IMF in your point number three. Oh, he fought Zeus again, James. Anybody can fight Zeus. It takes another kind of person to defeat Zeus. Whenever I hear you say he fought X, Y, and Z, I don't even have to look it up. I already know he got his butt handed to him in that battle. You say he beat the supreme intelligence of the Cree. So he beat Annette Benning in a fight. That's not that big a deal, to be quite honest with you. In Judo Master, the only reason that Judo Master was able to defeat Peacemaker, because Peacemaker got him the second time around and came out of that battle the winner, but he underestimated him. Look, he's uh, Judo Master was a very, very small individual oh, that he was not. Look, but when Black Knight comes onto the field, he's a guy resplendent in like a cape, a giant sword. This guy is not going to be uh, underestimated by anybody. Fun fact, for as small as Judo Master is, I looked it up, Kit Harrington, who plays the Black Knight, is only two inches taller. He's only two inches taller than the Judo Master, who the joke of him is that he is insanely small when fighting the people that he's fighting. Just something that made me laugh, for gosh sakes, at the end of the day. James, 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 I hear you trying. I hear you making up your own facts. IMF, as I say. The problem with this whole thing is that Peacemaker is just bringing, again, too much to the table. He's got an eye in the sky. He's got high-caliber bullets. Yes, Black Knight has a little bit of mystical force uh, working for him, but I just don't think that he's shown that the, the same kind of durability when John Cena as the Peacemaker, has shown in his fights because you can keep cutting him and you can keep punching him and throwing him into trees and throwing him through walls and he's just going to keep getting up and keep fighting over and over and over again and at the end of the day, you talk about what's inspiring. Black Knight might be inspired by clearing his family's name of blah, 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 blah. Peacemaker is driven by 80s hair metal and I'm going to say right now, when you get into the middle of it, which one is going to get you over the hump of battle? Is it going to be my family's legacy or is it going to be the great sounds of poison? Yeah, but poison's inspired by family legacy gone wrong. Look, here's the thing. I, I love Peacemaker. What was the one thing that took him out real quick in the movie? Oh, that's right. A bullet to the neck. So this guy can go down, even though he can get stabbed a million times. One good shot somewhere. Oh, oh James, you can do it. So what I hear you say is Black Knight, if he, if he shoots him with a bullet, well, I'm in trouble. Oh, wait. That's not what he does. That's right. He only shoots blasts of energy that can, you know, hurt, take out Thor. And by the way, he never, I never said he beat Zeus. He did hurt Zeus. That's a fact. By the way, I like that. I'm not making up facts. I'm um, mastering facts. IMF. I love it. All right. Delvin Cox. 
You've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. It's time for you to make your decision. Take us through your process. Tell us who wins this fight between the Peacemaker and the Black Knight. Well, let me put this on the table right now. The animals, off the table. It doesn't make any sense to have either one of them on there. I don't think it helps either one of you, to be honest with you. That's first and foremost. Let me go with your points three. I think Ray has some solid points. I think James has some solid points. I feel like hearing James' points and all these characters that Black Knight beat, I would have liked to have seen how he beat those characters. I think that's very important to this battle. I feel like when it comes to Peacemaker, I feel like he's very one-dimensional with his fighting. He doesn't have much armor, but he has heart and he has weapons, lots of weapons, and that's the problem. So this is how I see this battle going, in my opinion. I feel like Peacemaker is going to see Black Knight, and because Peacemaker is arrogant and very cocky, he's going to think Black Knight's a dork because he's going to see him in this medieval armor and says, what, what, what a loser. What, what can he do to me? And Black Knight is going to proceed to kick his ass for most of this fight. Peacemaker is going to shoot at him. He's going to shoot the body armor. It's not going to have too much effect. He's going to, he's going to have a little bit of effect with the exploded bullets and things like that. Black Knight is going to be kicking his ass from back to forth all over the battlefield. I think Black Knight has a big advantage in this battle when it comes to combat and ta- tactical skills. What I think is going to happen, though, Black Knight's going to underestimate Peacemaker. He's going to get in close for that kill, and he's not going to realize that helmet has the sonic blast that it has out. And I've seen that episode that Ray's talking about. That sonic blast almost took out a building. And the problem with that sonic blast is, if that sonic blast hits Black Knight, he's gonna, it's going to disintegrate Black Knight. And you can't resurrect if there's nothing there for you to resurrect. It's going to be really hard. And even if he could, I don't think he's going to be able to do it in two minutes. So, the winner of this matchup is Peacemaker. Oh, Delvin, I think you're so wrong, man. He's been resurrected I, from nothing. It's magic. James, speaking of being resurrected from nothing, I don't like your chances in season four so far. Oh, Delvin Cox. I would have liked to hear some points of him being resurrected from nothing within two minutes. Like I said, that, that, that helmet is so destructive. I've, I've, took, I know. I've not had a chance to see any of the episodes. That's, that, that was a good one. That was a good play. That, I, when I heard the helmet come up, I was like, ugh, that's the one. I don't know how black, how black he, how he can get through this. I just don't know how the Black Knight can get through this helmet. The helmet is just a force. And the thing about the helmet is it's, un, it's unpredictable. Like Peacemaker used it in a point where he was like, oh, crap. Let me throw this out there. And if you don't see it, you don't see it coming. It doesn't like shoot out lasers and anything like that to let you know this is coming. So if you're close enough to him for that to hit you, you can't move. You can't just duck out the way of it. What I hear you saying, Delvin, is that when it comes to the helmet, you can't see me. Delvin, Can I Delvin, change my mind now? Thank you. Delvin, here's the deal. <laughs> With this sonic blast, you can't see it. You mm-hmm. literally can't see it. It just comes out and happens. 
All yeah. right, Delvin Cox, I highly, I, I love you. I think you're awesome. I highly disagree with your your judgment today for so many reasons. This is the new James Gadsby, by the way. I'm going to state my disappointment now and find out what I really think about this by joining us on Patreon to really get the lowdown dirt. I'm going to go on overload while being respectful of Delvin Cox because he's a fine human being. Race to Canis, I'm not counting this as a win, good sir. This was not a good win whatsoever. I'm oh, bitter right now. Oh, that's funny because the record books sure are. I know. I'm bitter right now. I'm bitter right now. This is not a good place to put me right now. You know what I'm going to do? I got an idea. Stay tuned. All right. With that being said, in all seriousness, congratulations, Race to Canis. Awesome job. Delvin Cox, I got to tell you, I do like how you went through the facts and everything, even though you missed a few. But again, there is a reason why you're the judge of judges. Great job. Thank you for being a judge. Come back soon. Tell everyone where they can uh, experience all things Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at Delvin underscore Cox. Check out the Delvin Cox experience and the PlayStation experience anywhere you get podcasts. Very cool. And what about on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere else? Twitter, Delvin underscore Cox. Instagram, Delvin underscore Cox. And more importantly, check out the Who Will Win Patreon. It is a great Patreon and it is well worth the money. I love it. All right, Ray Sicanus. I am. Yeah. We'll see about that, if that is, in fact, your real name. All right, so you've won another one. <laughs> Interesting. As you can tell, not in a good place right now. Things will happen. I'm doing some – I got some ideas here. But I will say congratulations. Well well won, well-researched battle, by the way. Really cool. And now I just want to watch Peacemaker that much more on HBO. So uh, great job with that. Tell everyone where they can find you online. You know, James Gavsey, you won season three coming from behind at the very, very end with an improbable, unbelievable win with Santa Claus over Galactus and a weird technicality is what it felt like. And I'd like to believe you got a little high up on your horse at the end of season three. You started reading your own press clippings and you forgot the complete and utter research monster who sits across from you here. I think that you started believing a little too much in yourself and you let your guard down because four out of five battles to start this season, you've had your butt handed to you by me. And quite frankly, I deserve to win all five of them. I deserve to win 51 and 0 this year. My path to 50 and one is clear. Obviously I'm the season four champion. I might wrap this thing up in July. I don't know how this is all going to play out, but I'm feeling pretty good about what I'm doing on the show right now. So I'm going to read a five-star review. This particular five-star review is from Greeking Out is the Bestest, and it's uh, Do Ryan Renanenold's Greenland, and then it cuts off. So the That's my favorite text, character, by the way. Yeah. Five stars. Do a Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern versus Ryan Reynolds Deadpool. Uh, interesting, interesting. Do you know that Green Lantern can't get a win on this show to save his life? I don't yeah. like his chances Between Green Lantern there and Spider-Man, yeah. Yeah, they, there, there are a few characters that uh, that have a hard time on the show for reasons I can't always fully explain. RoboCop. Except Robo- whoa, 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 you're going to bring up St. RoboCop? The reason I'm not allowed back in the state of Michigan? How dare you, Delvin Cox? <laughs> The point is, Delvin made a great point earlier when he said that I won. He made a second great point after that when he said, you should all get on the Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash who would win show because I know James's feelings unfiltered, untethered, quite frankly, uh, untouched by reality. You're going to want to see his confessional video that we're going to put on the Patreon uh, pretty, pretty soon. I have a strong feeling about that. Patreon.com slash who would win show. You can find me on Twitter at almighty Ray. You guys, it's almost getting too easy. I would ask the question out loud. Do I need a new opponent? 
Do we just need to replace James on the show for somebody who's willing to bring the heat? I don't know, but I'd like to find out. Talk to me at Almighty Ray on Twitter. I have a declaration that I'd like to make on Patreon that will uh, blow people's minds, that will dictate the future of this season. Something I've been holding back, but now after Ray got this victory and Delvin Cox, how dare you, good sir, because you are a good <laughs> sir. Everyone's going to see what I'm talking about. Go to patreon.com slash show and kind of see what's going on. With Finally, that being said, the concession speech we've all been waiting for. Yeah, you know, I get DM'd a lot saying, get a little crazier. Show us who you really are. Show us like the MMA, James, when you're cornering someone and you threaten everyone else who's like coming up against your opponent. I think I'm going to do that. With that being said, I can't help it. I have so much fun in these episodes. Win or lose, I still have a great time. Now, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at James Gads. You can also find us uh, at Who Would Win Show on Facebook. Be part of our growing community there. We love all of you. The Legion of Audience is growing every week. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanus. Delvin Cox, because he is, in fact, the judge of judges, the Geek and Game community, all of the Legion of Audience. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey, gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash who would win show right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Hi, I'm Kevin Goatee. Hey, I'm Kevin Israel. We host Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best and most unique movie debate podcast out there. Why? Because we invite our guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. They must pick a film that is a financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. That's right. Some of the films our guests have tried to eviscerate Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pulp Fiction, Ghostbusters. You can find us on all podcast platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you want to watch our smiling faces, we're also on YouTube. Guttingthesacredcow.com is where you find all of our information. And we look forward to our guests infuriating you when they attack your favorite films. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.